Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. God is so good. And I love it when the presence of the Lord is just so thick in the house like this and, and we get to engage Him like that corporately. And I feel like it's been such an interesting season the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, of course, we hear more things like being in a corporate setting like this with the church and whatnot, but it sure feels like there's been some resistance. Feels like there's, anybody know? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It feels like there's been some resistance. And uh, what the interesting thing is about resistance is that it is, it is because we are moving, because you are moving, because you're stepping out and believing God, because you're standing in faith for things. And I was thinking about, again, that whole concept of, you know, God says that the gates of hell will not prevail, but gates don't move right? So if the gates of it feels like you're coming up against the gates of hell, it's because you're moving. And so the enemy just tries to resist, but it cannot prevail. And so what we have is this, this opportunity to step up and to grow and develop in the face of pressure and conflict and bumping into those gates. And so that's a bit of a challenge. And what it tends to come with is what I call basically um, attack bombs and they're bait bombs. So it's less than, less than something is actually going wrong and more like a situation is presented to you with the bait of how you might respond in a way that then creates a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the bait is there to get angry. The bait is there to get in despair. The bait is there to fall into hopelessness. The bait is there to, to fall into bitterness. The bait is there to fall into uh, you know, unforgiveness. The bait is there to, to bite into poverty. The bait is there, but it doesn't mean you have to you know, subscribe to it. It doesn't mean you have to partner with it. It means that we have a choice in those moments to decide whose we are and step out in the things of God. And so just that reminder, you know, I think every time the enemy puts out the, those bait bombs, he's actually asking us, like, who do you think you are? Oh, you think you're going to step out? You think you're going to do something? You think you're going to be free? You think you're going to see change? You think you're going to see wholeness? Who do you think you are? Wrong question. Right? The, the, the answer to that is about whose we are. And we need to remind ourselves in the middle of these times when the bait bombs are going off that we serve the ultimate King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is, let me just give you a couple names as a reminder, you know this, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, right? He's right there all the way through it. He is the author of life. He is the creator of all things. He is the perfecter of your faith. He is the father of lights. He does not change. He's the rock of our salvation. He's the great I am. And he is actually love itself. So when these bait bombs come off and it's like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Our answer needs to be going back to this. Wrong question. Wrong question, devil. This is whose I am. This is who's in charge of my life. This is where I come from. This is where I'm going. This is who I'm hanging on to. This is whose voice I'm listening to. And the reason that we hang on to that is because, title of our message today is Greater Things. We are called to experience the greater things. And the enemy of our soul already knows that. He 
throws out the bait bombs because if we can get distracted by who we think we are, we will miss the concept of we are called to experience the greater things. The threat is already out there. Jesus has already declared what's coming. God said what he's about to do, and the enemy knows it. So the challenge is against us and our identity to press in to press in and experience the greater things. So we're going to walk through this a little bit today. We know that the scripture, John 14, 12, literally Jesus talking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Jesus put that out there. Not only is what I'm doing normal, greater things are coming. Greater things happen because the multiplication of people carrying the Spirit of God, walking in the presence and power of Almighty God, changes things on a massive scale. This is what Jesus put out there. It wasn't, man, wouldn't it have been just so great to live back when Jesus was there and, and miracles happened? Now, miracles happen every day. Miracles are intended to happen through your life by the power of the living God in and through you. Jesus put it out there, so the enemy comes and he goes, who do you think you are? Why would you step, why would, why would you think that you can do anything about this situation? Why would you think that you're the one? Wrong question. Greater things then these shall we do. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Who am I? Well, without him, not much. With him, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. With him, I will bear much fruit. With him, greater than these things shall I do. With him, anything is possible. Come on. There has been a challenge to keep us in our little boxes looking at our own stuff. And I will dare to say, I've experienced it myself in the last couple of weeks, the old stuff has tried to throw it a little hook to see if you're still baitable. Right? Anybody had some old devils show up and you're like, Come on, you know, and maybe you even twitch for a second. You're like, oh, no, no, that's not who I am anymore. That's not part of my life anymore. You don't have to stay where you were. God is calling us out, and this is a move. This is a move. We are moving forward with him. And so this challenge against us, we are walking through these, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about shifting from a consumer mentality, which is literally what's in it for me, which lines up really well with who do you think you are? What's in it for me? Well, who I am is somebody who's needy, pathetic, broken, damaged. And so I need to receive all the time. A producer or a growth person comes in and goes, I am the righteousness of Christ, in, righteousness of Christ, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am whole. I am loved. I am chosen. I belong to him. And so my shift on the inside revolts back against the bait of the enemy and moves forward. I begin to produce. I begin to grow. I begin to say, I know it doesn't really matter who I think I am. It matters who he is. However, the identity issue comes into place when I know who he is, 
I can walk it out through who I am living to be, who he says I am. Not who I think I am, who he says I am. So we're going to walk through this a little bit today and the producing side of these greater works, the greater things, the fruit bearing, the multiplication, the increase has some steps to it. And so for, for us and the enemy coming against us <clears throat> is a good indicator that you're on the right track. When you bump into those gates of hell that seem to be right in the way, it's a good indicator that you are moving into that place that God wants you to go. And it will not prevail. Jesus is victorious. He is greater on the inside of you than he that is in the world. But you're going to have to do some stuff right? So let's walk through the do some stuff bits today. And this is not man-made, man-generated triumph. This is us partnering with who God says we are. Partnering with what God says he's doing. Partnering with the nature of God. When we're talking about walking out in faith, taking big steps, doing those, those things that will challenge our belief system, our hope, our trust in him, anchor us to him, it is going to take resilience and strength on the inside and a bit of a plan. So number one, let's walk through this. We have to know our identity in him. So again, not who do you think you are, who does he say you are? Who does he say I am? It has to be the dominant thing that we're focused on uh, when it comes to ourselves. The who do you think you are literally will come on repeat probably for the rest of your life. It literally will be the challenge and the enemy of your soul would love to remind you of where you come from, what you used to be like, how broken you used to be, the pain that you used to carry, the stuff that you've been through. But the things of God lead us forward. Jesus doesn't say, you know, the word doesn't say that he, um, he helps us wallow in triumph. He leads us in triumph, and leading is a forward movement. We are moving ahead. There is something in front of us that we're headed into. So also just for a little tool for you, if you're uh, new or haven't picked up on it yet, in the app, um, if you go through and you uh, just, I think it's in, eh, shoot, didn't bring my phone with me. Can you just hand me the app, please, babe? <laughs> Okay, so if you go on the app and you go down to more and you click there and you see a red heart and it says who I am in Christ. There are two pages of I am statements in there about biblically speaking, who does Jesus say you are? Who does God say you are? So these are things that are worth printing off, hauling around, putting in the glove box of your car, throw them in your purse, put them by your desk, whatever. But as long as the enemy is beating on your head, you remind him of who God says you are. You don't have to justify your actions. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to prove yourself. You stand in who God says you are. But more specifically, just really clearly, it is that you are a new creation. You are a child of God. And that's the clear thing. When we're moving out in the things of the Spirit, when we're talking about growth, we're talking about producing, we're talking about actually affecting change in the world around us, we have to understand we're not who we were. We are a new creation. John 1, 12 to 13 says, But as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And I want you to catch that, that first bit, but as many as received him. 
This is a relational thing. This is not a contract. This is not something that, you know, you're baptized into as a baby without your will. It is our will that is engaged. We are choosing to receive this relationship. We are choosing to receive the price that's been paid for us. This is what salvation is. It's the free gift of God that's been offered to us. We get to accept it. We engage a relationship at that point and things begin to change in us. It's not, um, it's not just cold. It's not a, I have a free ticket. It is a relationship I've been invited into receive him, to believe in him. And then Romans 8, 16 to 17 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed with him, uh, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. There's this thing that we've been called to that we don't live for ourselves anymore. We've become children and joint heirs with Christ. So when the enemy comes and he, you're, you're beginning to step out in some of these things. We started this crazy faith series with the church. I anticipate in the next month, probably most of us will find ourselves with all of these little bait bombs out there, we'll, we'll run into the edge of ourselves because the challenge is believe for more. Grow, stand in faith. If you can manage everything that's going on in your life, you're not believing big enough. If, you, if you're comfortable and happy and content with exactly where you're at right now, you're not believing big enough. There is more, there is more that God has for you. And so in this thing, that God's called us to, we have to understand, I am a child of God, I'm an heir, I'm a joint heir with Christ, this is my identity, I'm not trying to prove anything, I don't have to deserve anything, this is just literally my reality. And if this is the case, then I am no longer living for myself. So 2 Corinthians 5, and specifically there, 15 to 19, and he died for all that those who, should, uh, who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So these are the verses that we've been going through the last couple weeks and this is something that has to become non-negotiable in our lives. This has to be the thing, if we're gonna experience the fullness that when we sing like we did this morning, that this is a move and we'll move with you, we have to understand that there just has to be this core thing we decide to grab onto by faith. I am a child of God, I am an heir of God, I am a joint heir with Christ, and because I am, I no longer live 
for myself. I don't even look at people just through the fleshy experience, but I see the spirit that's going on there. And I know that the spirit of God has a plan and a purpose for people. And I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. I've been called to go out and minister and care and love. And so I am going to choose to own who God says I am so that I can fulfill my purpose. Which leads us to the next thing then, the assignment. So we have to understand our identity and we have to understand the assignment. So this is the part that we talked about last week a little bit. It is essentially your purpose. And purpose is this vital thing that every human needs. If we don't have it, we are consumed. We are consumed by either the drive to make ourselves feel important, or we are consumed by despair that what's the point, or we are consumed by distraction, killing time, right? Literally, if I don't know my purpose, I am either consumed by drive or despair or distraction. But this becomes the motivating factor of my life. Nobody with a, a complete loss of understanding of purpose is okay to just sit there and enjoy life. There will be something that fills the spot that is intended for purpose. And so that purpose is the assignment. So again, literally breaking down a little bit further, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. The word ambassador literally means a representative. So what is my identity? It is a child of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ, co-heir with Christ. My assignment is to be a representative of God here on the earth. This basic thing, if that just shifts, those, those basic things shift as part of our identity, it radically changes every decision we make. Doesn't it? If that's who I am, and that's what I'm here for, some of the questions that I ask, like how do I feel about that? becomes irrelevant. Who do you think you are? Kind of becomes irrelevant. Like, you know, how's that going to happen? Kind of becomes irrelevant. I'm not in it for me. I'm not looking to leave a legacy. I just about had a conniption the other day when I saw uh, a sign around town, and it's like just for a charity, not, not saying anything against anybody, but, but, but specifically it was like looking for a donation for a charity, leave a legacy for the generations to come. And what just hit me was like, le legit, I do not want to live my life focused on how many dollars I can leave after I'm dead. I sow into legacy every single day. Like, you sow into legacy every single day. You know it at the end of your life by how many people were impacted, not by how many dollars you gave to a certain organization. Like, that is the twisted mindset of mammon that says if you want your life to matter, it is about the money. And the things of God say if you want your life to matter, make it about me. Right? radical shift. If God blesses us with money, it is to be a blessing. If there isn't a super, super abundance of finances, it doesn't make me any less valuable. My life matters because the, the, the living God lives in me. He has given me breath and life and purpose, and I live here for him. 
You have purpose. You have value. You will have a legacy. And the legacy will increase depending on how you understand and operate in these basic principles. So this assignment, literally, we talked about last week, from the beginning, Genesis, we are called to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and to subdue it. So not to just drift about by whatever's happening, whatever's going on around us, but we actually have an obligation to engage, to fill the earth, to subdue it. You know, even this, um, this weekend, obviously we are praying for everybody on the East Coast and we've got a lot of family with family members and friends out there. You know, what, what can we do about it? We're certainly not called to just sit here and be sad. We are here to pray, to intercede, to speak over the lives that are there, to pray for uh, salvation for those that need it, for the ministry of health and life and strength for those that are walking through this. We actually get to engage, and there will probably be times that many of us um, have practical ways to actually, you know, step into the situation, either financially or physically, to go help or minister to friends and family members who have been through the trauma, that kind of thing. But we don't just sit and observe and go, isn't that sad? We say, if I'm a child of God and my assignment here is to be an ambassador or a representative of him, what do you want me to do right now? I don't just listen in despair. I listen for instructions, right? Does that make sense? That's how, that's how this works is that we've been given this assignment to be an ambassador for Christ. Romans 8, 19 to 20, uh, 21. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So that passage, obviously there is that an end times shift where everything, you know, even creation, that the land itself, the, the trees and the plants and the animals, you know, will all be brought into that fullness at, you know, the revelation of Christ in that day. But in every place where God's kids step up even now, you know, when, when this was written, it was saying that this is happening even now. Even now, when the presence of God is on our lives, there's a fruit of our lives that brings a release for the futility that is around us. There is a shift that happens. Do you know what that means to me, even practically speaking? It means that we should be running businesses that are ethical, that bring life to our employees, that care about our employees' families, that are producing things into the community, that are life-giving, that are, uh, we do a job well done, we don't overcharge, we don't under-provide. It means that in our families, we care for our children and our children's friends and the people immediately around us. And when they encounter us, they encounter love. They encounter acceptance. They, they know that this is a safe place that they can go when they you know, need to find help. It means that literally to me, it means that our stuff is well taken care of, that our animals are well fed, that our, our property is taken care of, that we are bringing into subjection and, and, and doing things in a way that honors God everything that is under our hands. That when people encounter us, it is a positive experience for them because we are oozing the presence of God. That we do things the way he would do them. It is literally a what would Jesus do kind of moment. So this is what an ambassador does. Everything I do, I don't do as my own self. I do as a representative of God. 
I would admit that there are probably times when Jesus is like, oh, there she goes again. Okay. <laughs> but I'll do better next time, you know? The awareness helps produce the desire for growth. It does. The awareness that I'm an ambassador for Christ helps produce the desire for growth. So the number three is the action plan. So we need to know our identity. We need to know the assignment. And then we need to understand the action plan and understanding that there actually is action required. There is an application and there is obedience that is necessary. So lots of times people will like you know, even read the word or sit through a few Bible studies or whatever and stand in faith that God's going to do something. I believe that God can. I believe that God wants to. I believe that it's all just, it's all in God's, all in God's hands, God's timing, God's ways. And there is an element of that, but there is also an element of Jesus saying greater things than these shall you do. So when we just sit there, you know, and we're sitting on our hands waiting for God to show up, I, I believe it is actually outside of the principles of God and the way he designed things to be. He wants to work with us. It's the same way as from the very beginning in Genesis before the fall. He was working with Adam. He gave authority. He gave the assignment to steward the earth to Adam and Eve. It was still his earth, but he gave them the assignment. New Testament, he also gives us the assignment. He tells us to go into all the world. He tells us to lay hands on the sick. He tells us to cast out demons. He tells us to be fruitful. He tells us to, to um, live lives that manifest the fruits of the Spirit. We are meant to be vessels that release the power of God onto the earth. So when we've come through a season where... The enemy is just like so working overtime to get us to ask ourselves, who do we think we are? That's what he's trying to block. The revelation that actually we're not powerless, we're not helpless, we're not without a source, but that God is actually moving. So the action plan means now I'm starting to ask, what do you want me to do? What are my next steps? If I'm supposed to be fruitful, if I'm supposed to increase, what do I do to do that? And there are elements that are obviously the very first part, the identity part that has to be continuously renewed. It is the relationship side of it. Every time we come into that place of worship and prayer and we spend time with the Lord, we are growing in that revelation of who he is and who he's made us to be. And that's, that's a core source for sure. But then we need to pause and ask, what do you want me to do? What is the stuff that you want me to do? So the how actually requires action. And um, this week on our, on our Crazy Faith um, series, the one quote that uh, Pastor Michael Todd said was that intellectual agreement plus trust equals faith. Intellectual agreement plus trust equals faith. In other words, your mind also has to come into agreement with what it was that God said, and then you're in faith. So it's not just believing that God can do it, but that he wants to do it. You're coming into an agreement in your mind, and your mind then is, is informing your actions. It's like, if that's what I believe, I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to speak in faith. It's the kind of thing that when, you know, like I actually have a, a little bit of a problem, again, my own little tick, but you know, when people, like, I prefer it when somebody is exiting a conversation with me that they say, have a great week, rather than take care. 
Because to me, I got enough trouble on my own trying to get rid of care, trying to get rid of concern, trying to get, so maybe the word, what they mean is take care of yourself, you know, or whatever. But even that, like I'm trusting God to take care of me. So that little phrase just catches me all the time. Or when, when somebody says, you know what, like, man, three of the kids are sick. I mean, it's just a matter of time before I go down. Gah. But we're believing, you know, would you pray for healing for us? Probably not, <laughs> you know, because intellectual agreement has to be there. I have to decide that I actually believe God heals. I have to actually decide he doesn't want me to walk around carrying the weight of the world on my back. I have to actually believe and, and decide that I believe that what his word says is true. And so this process, this gets activated in this action part of this thing. Second Peter chapter one is this amazing passage. You can spend a lot of time in first and second Peter and get like all the instructions that will, you know, it'll keep you busy for a while. Just to give you a little bit of a um, starting point for this, we're going to read starting at verse 5. Just jumped right out of my Bible here. There we go. Second Peter 1, and just starting in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." One of the verses that we hang on to there is literally this, verse 3, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now we pray this, we speak this, you should know this. I don't have what it takes. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I don't know if we can get there, I don't know. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, that hasn't been my experience. Okay, so here's where we're going with this. Let's pick up at verse five. It says then, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Let's just pause there for a minute. I might even say I mentally assent to God has given me all things pertaining to life and godliness, but that hasn't been my experience. Well, add to your faith. With all diligence, it's meaning, it's saying that beyond just having this understanding that that's what the word says, that's what's possible for me, with all diligence, and literally, when we look at this, we look at the breakdown. Diligence means earnestness, haste, or effort. So, with a hustled effort, you decide to give yourself the impetus to go after the adding to my faith these things. It means that I can't just sit there and go, God, I just thank you that you give me all things pertaining to life and godliness. You really need to work this out with my spouse because, oh my goodness, I might kill them. I don't think, Lord, like, I just, I just need you to do something. Like, get him, Lord. Get her, Lord. Like, I just, God, and no, I don't, I don't feel like actually doing anything to change my lifestyle, but I just, and that's the part that we don't like. Grace is free. 
Your salvation is free, but your experience of everything that God wants to give you requires the muscles to actually apply it on the inside. This is where when we say, like last week, we talked about growing. We talked about how, you know, th this this need is in us. We are made to actually grow and produce. Growing takes some work. It takes some effort. What I like about what Peter's got here is he actually breaks down what sort of things to work on. And so last week we talked about this quote um, that says, uh, healthy things grow, right? Healthy things grow. So if we're looking at producing growth, we need to understand what health looks like. I'm going to present to you that this little chunk here is a good picture of what health looks like. Fair enough? Spiritual health is encapsulated by Peter. I would like to also point out that Peter has only three chapters, where Paul usually has 57. So if you're looking for the abbreviated version, let's head for where Peter is talking. He'll get there faster. All right. <laughs> You might be new to the faith and you're like, I don't even know what she's talking about. It's just get lost in one of the longer books. Hebrews, for instance, or I don't know, Romans. Um, but also for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble." That little chunk of five verses is like one of the most incredible action plan promise chunks in the Bible because it's so blunt. Keeping in mind, if God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, it means that if we put a draw on him for these things, he will supply the grace and the strength and he will help develop in us. There is the fruit of the spirit that we can put a draw on, but we actually have to activate it. So let's just understand that what Paul is saying in here is be very, uh, for this very reason, giving all diligence. To put it in simple terms, it is do the work. Do the work. You want to grow, you want to experience the all things, you want to experience greater things than these shall he do. Do the work. That's actually helpful because a lot of times when we're just sitting there and we've got the, it's all going to just drop on me by faith, we feel like maybe God is favoring somebody more than he's favoring me because I'm standing in faith and I'm getting nothing and they seem to be getting everything. Is it, you know, maybe God's just picking favorites? No, it is possible that maybe that person is developing that muscle and so God's like looking for a place. He's his eyes go to and fro over the earth looking for where he can show himself strong. He's actually just looking for vessels that can contain what he wants to pour out. But we have to be willing to do the work. That's not a very happy, clappy Christian message unless you actually want to grow. And when we do, this is awesome, right? So let's break this down then, understanding that straight up we can have faith, but James tells us that faith without works is dead. 
So it's not unbiblical to say that we need to do the work. It's we're designed. We're designed to grow. We're designed to change. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. He said that like literally there will be product in my life. So what we're supposed to diligently go after, diligently work out, what we're supposed to press into, we could just go down this as a checklist. I don't think it's necessarily in this order, but these are the things that will produce good fruit in our lives. It literally says that. So number one is virtue. Virtue means simply moral excellence or doing what is right. God, I want more of you. I want to experience the greater things than do the right thing. It's literally as simple as that. Do the right thing. Right according to who? Right in God's eyes. Forgive where it needs forgiving. Hope where there needs to be hope. Bless where there needs to be blessing. Serve where there needs to be serving. Like, do the right thing. We all know it on the inside when you have a, I really want to do this, but I'm going to do the right thing. I would really like to, you know, you don't, you don't always, if somebody gives you a finger in traffic, you don't have to give it back. I don't know if you know that, but honestly, it's the little stuff. It's the big stuff. It's everything in between. It is the do the right thing. This is what produces in us the fruit that we need to have. Secondly, knowledge. Add to that knowledge. Knowledge literally means insight, understanding, a developed knowing. It means that I don't, I don't like feel like studying. I don't really like devotions. I don't really like reading. Can you read it and just tell me kind of the highlights? Can you, like, I'm just going to find a YouTube um, video with somebody else who spent 15 years studying this, and I'm going to just try and absorb it in a five-minute, you know, just compact. Get in the Word. Get in the things of God. Study what he thinks about stuff. Learn how it works. Learn what God has done and said and where he's going. There's some of us that just straight up, this is the, the crisis of lazy. I don't, I don't want to put in the work, but if I want the kind of fruit that I want, then I might have to actually get some knowledge about how God operates, what he thinks, what he sees, how the, how the world is working according to his eyes. Number three is self-control. Yeehaw. You know what's great is that there's actually a fruit of the Spirit for this one. So you can, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. It's, it, it is literally just bringing yourself under submission to God. It's not just like I'm going to bottle it, bottle it, bottle it, bottle it. It's taking whatever's going on in yourself and you don't have to blow off at somebody. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to melt down. You don't have to have everybody hear everything about what's going on on the inside. You don't have to always have it your way. We bring what we've got going on and we bring it to God. We take it. It's not just like suck it up. It is literally cast your cares upon him. Self-control, I really believe, is one of these things that our society, you know, you would never, you would never book an appointment with somebody so that you could sit down across the desk from them and just cuss them out. I hope you wouldn't. If you would, you might be a little further 
behind than some, but you know, you wouldn't. But you very well might do it online. When there's a comment section there, a lot of us will read or experience something and we have no problem just letting her fly online because it feels good. Do the right thing, right? Get knowledge, what does God actually say about this? And then have self-control. Know when, where, how to say and do things. It doesn't always have to be an explosion. This is actually a godly fruit because it's really hard to come back from an explosion. It's really hard to have a blowout in whatever way or a meltdown, you know, when, when people were expecting differently from you and then come back in with a word from the Lord. Because people are like, you were insane last week. So this week, how, how is it different? You know, these things give space for God to move in our lives. So beyond that, perseverance. The other word for it, depending on your translation, is steadfastness. Perseverance or steadfastness. Just stay stable. Keep going. Don't quit. Be faithful. Don't give up. Don't get weary in well-doing. Keep doing what needs to be done. Keep doing the hard stuff until you see something change. This is steadfastness. This is perseverance. It is, again, faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. You can put a draw on God for this. Like, God, help me. Help me not quit. Help me not back down. Help me to stand firm. Help me, God, to not waver. Help me to not be blown about. The more that muscle develops, the more God can use you for the things that you are expecting from Him. Godliness. And the word here, godliness, literally means holiness or set apart for him. So it, add to just your faith, I believe who God is. I also believe that I am meant to be set apart for him. Therefore, what is maybe permissible, allowable, if it's not beneficial, then I don't want it. If it's not going to serve his purposes in me, then I don't want it. If it's not something that I feel his go-ahead on, then I don't want it. I have this thing on the inside of me that maybe I could go to this event. And I mean, I'm talking even good things. But if it's, if it's not something that he's calling me towards, I can be okay to be holy. I can be okay to be set apart for his purposes. I should be different. Add to that brotherly kindness, literally how we care for one another. Literally, if, if we want to see God move big out there, how we treat one another in here has everything to do with it. And then, of course, the final one there is love. And I love the breakdown in the Amplified. It says, learn to unselfishly seek the best for others and do things for their benefit. Isn't that good? Learn to unselfishly seek the best for others and to do things for their benefit. This is just a shift in our thinking. It's the nature of Christ. It's the stuff that we have to develop. When we have this checklist, and maybe we have a day that just blew up on us, and we're like, how on earth did that happen? And we go back and we go, okay, was I exhibiting these things? Is there an area that maybe 
I faltered in that I need to have shored up? Is there one of these areas that I need to bring to God and have strengthened? Is there a place that I need to exercise this? Is there a way that I can do this? Is there a way that I can practice brotherly kindness? Is there a way that I can exhibit love? Is there a way that I can, I can pursue knowledge? Is there a way that I can operate in self-control, deny the flesh right now? Is there a way that I can make sure that I'm functioning in virtue, that I'm doing the right thing? Is there something this week that I can adjust so that I can grow in these areas? And the why of it is not just a far more high quality life or a far more fruitful life um, or far more pleasing to God kind of life. It literally says, if we look at this um, verse nine, for he who, or, sorry, verse eight, for if these things are yours and abound, so if these things are yours and are growing in your life, if this is what you're pursuing, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will be neither un a barren or unfruitful. And interestingly, because I always kind of thought those words cross over, but barren means inactive, unemployed, lazy, and useless. Ouch. And unfruitful means without fruit. So you will be neither, let's just put in, sub in the words that it had. You will be neither inactive, unemployed, lazy, or useless in the things of God, and you will not be without fruit. So if I want to produce out of my life, I want to be fruitful, I want to be active, I don't want to be lazy, I want to be employed for the things of God, I want to be used by Him, I don't just sit there and beg Him to do something. I work on these things. To my faith I add virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Interestingly, there are seven of them, which is God's number for completion. Isn't that cool? These are the things, I don't know what to do, God. I'm waiting on you to do something. He's like, okay, seek me. Let's work on the relationship. Know, know who you are in me. Understand the assignment, and then let's work on some of the tools. Let's get you battle ready. Let's get some of this stuff activated in your life. Let's work on these things because healthy things grow and this is what healthy looks like. Verse 9 then says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Isn't that interesting? It, it means that essentially it's saying if you don't want to work on these things, you've forgotten even who you are. If you don't want to work on these things, you've forgotten what was paid for for you. If you don't want to work on these things, you actually have missed the whole point. Like something has been stolen from you and you miss the core of it all. These things, this is, this is what it looks like to walk in fruitfulness. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because there's been a, there's been a ton of like major world leaders and faith leaders and you know, it, it feels like every second week you turn on you know, the, the news or some sort of a Christian media thing or whatever and there's another big public failure of somebody in ministry or something and it's like terrifying that that happens. It's terrifying that that can happen in a, you know, in a, in a large 
seemingly effective ministry. And I, I love this promise there because it says if you make these things, uh, if you do these things, you're even more diligent, you will never stumble. How do we safeguard ministry? How do we safeguard our marriages? How do we safeguard our families? How do we safeguard the things in our lives? If we never want to stumble, these are the things. These are, these are literally the things, the nature of God walked out in our lives, which is a really cool thing. So healthy things grow. This is what healthy looks like. If these things are in place, you will, number one, you will live from purpose. Number two, you will bear fruit. Number three, you will be stable. That promise right there, isn't that, isn't that like so encouraging? God, we're going out, we're believing for new things, we're believing for expansion in our own lives, we're believing for expansion corporately, we're believing that we get to experience this move of your spirit. How do we do it? Well, press into these things, press into the relationship with him, press into the identity, press into the assignment, and do the work. And if we do, you'll live from purpose, you'll bear fruit, and you'll be stable. I'm gonna have the worship team come. I just want to pray over us. This is a, it's a challenging thing to consider um, because lots of us actually, we feel like we're just, you know, God, God needs to do something. God needs to do something. And it can feel actually very helpless. Even when we're standing in faith, it can feel helpless. Like, why isn't God doing something? Because we are designed to fill the earth, to subdue it, we're actually... We're, we're designed for a measure of leadership and personal stewardship. So when it feels like we're just waiting, 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 it feels powerless. We've never been meant to be powerless. In the waiting, we worship. In the waiting, we praise. In the worship, we work on relationship. And in the waiting, we prepare for the breakthrough. What's the thing that God has put on your heart to expect? What's, what's the thing that you're believing for a breakthrough in? What's the thing that you are expecting will change when the hand of God moves upon your life? What is the stuff that, that you can see in your spirit, in your heart, when you start to ask God, you know, what, what am I standing in faith for? What's the thing? Are you prepared? If it was to happen today, are you actually prepared to sustain it? This question gets asked a lot when we're praying for like, God, we, we want to see... 500 souls come to you. We want to see salvation. We want to see a move of God in this city. Are we prepared to steward that? To shepherd that? To care for that many people, that many families? Like sometimes we have stuff on our heart that requires us to grow into that. Brotherly kindness, love, faithfulness, those things would all be very important in that situation right? The ability to think beyond ourselves and look beyond ourselves. What about a financial breakthrough? God, I believe that you've called me to be a millionaire. Are you ready to steward that well? Are you being generous? Are you being obedient in the areas of finance already? Have you learned to discipline? Are you faithful? Do you have self-control? What are the things that God wants to develop in us so that the promise can be released? And are we willing to go there with Him? Let's stand together.
God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of this little passage, God, that just gives us this assurance from you that this is how you've designed us to operate with you. That you've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, but you've also given us the invitation to develop to such a point that we can fully operate in it. Lord, we thank you for the promise of fruitfulness. We thank you for the promise of growth. We thank you for the promise of stability. Lord, we thank you that there's stuff that you are working out in us that will release the move of your spirit upon the earth and in our in our spheres, God, in ways that you we've just had this little taste of, this little glimpse of, God. And Lord, we thank you today that your grace is there for us. Your empowering presence, God, to do what needs to be done. I thank you that today this is not a negative, this is an invitation. Lord, for those who don't know what to do, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And in the meantime, God, you've given us some places to look and to grow and to develop and to practice and to be strengthened, Lord. I thank you, God, that you encourage us to move in you and to, to, to work with you, God. I thank you that you're the one who works with us to see these things changed and shifted and, and matured in our lives. God, we wanna be the kind of people that can go the distance with you in seeing your kingdom come and your will done on earth as it is in heaven, God. We wanna be the people that don't wash out because of our own bad attitudes or wash out because we don't have the faithfulness, we don't have the stability, we don't have the, the roots planted deep enough, God. We wanna be the kind of people that can go the distance, that our legacy is a life that is lived full out for you, bearing good fruit that lasts, God. And Lord, I pray for each one today that as we go through this week and, and we spend time with you as we seek your face, God, that you'd highlight the point to work on, the thing, the first thing, God, to, to strengthen and to develop, Lord. And we thank you that you are faithful to your word. You're faithful to your promises. You're faithful to what you say. And so in this, Lord, we look for the greater things. We thank you, Jesus, that you spoke and you said greater things than these shall we do. God, we're looking for those miracles. We're looking for the signs and wonders. We're looking for the stuff that can be accredited to nothing but your goodness and who you are. And we wanna be part of that, Lord. We believe fully that you are able. God, we stand in faith and God, we're, we, we are lacking. We we say, uh, we believe, help our unbelief, God. Help us to grow in these areas. Help us to be matured in you. And I just thank you for the grace to do that. I thank you that you help us to be kind to one another, to be loving with one another, to be patient with one another as we go through these processes. And we thank you for what you're developing in us. We thank you for helping us to be healthy in you. And Lord, that healthy things grow. We look forward to all that you have planned. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.